Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We're studying hearing the voice of God, which, my goodness, there's so much to this. I started with a warning out of Deuteronomy where God said, Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Actually, Deuteronomy says, I will not hold them guiltless. That's actually one of the commandments. What, the seventh commandment? Uh, He says, I will not hold them guiltless. The, The literal Hebrew translation says this, I will not hold anyone guiltless who takes my name and adds it to the vanity of their imagination. So it's a, it's a pretty... Now, to, to me it is, it may not be to you, but to me it is, it's a real scary thing to just use the term God told me and tack it to something. Amen? I like to just, you know, if God speaks to me, then I just kind of, you know, I kind of hold on to it and I kind of walk it out and then I, I can kind of tell, you know, you can kind of tar- start telling if God spoke to you or not. It, it's, it's, it, one way, there comes opposition against it. Another way, you're able to overcome the opposition by the word that God spoke to you. That's why He spoke the word to you in the first place. Then God starts doing something on your behalf because of what He's spoken. Here's what you'll find out about God, and you'll really like this. He's not a liar. If He spoke to you, He didn't tell a lie. Oh, come on, you ought to get more excited about that. If He spoke to you, He didn't tell you a lie. Amen? Now, let's, we're going to get into the kind of the communication side of this. Let me read a few verses here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us, of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, everybody say rest, As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. Now notice very carefully verse 7. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying, In David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today... If you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Now let me read it in the Amplified. Again, he sets a definite day, a new today, and gives another opportunity of securing that rest, saying through David, after so long a time, and the words already quoted, today if you would hear his voice, And when you hear it, do it. Uh, Excuse me, when you hear it, do not harden your hearts. Now, one of the most important practices that you can practice as a Christian is the practice of not allowing your heart to get hardened. Amen? Literally, in, in, in talking with ministers, talking with preachers, some of them that have been in ministry many more years than I have, one of the most incredible phenomenons we've seen in America is the hardening of believers' hearts. 
When we see statistics like 60% of the people in 2000 that attended the church in 2000, by, by 2015 went to church nowhere, that tells you somebody's heart's getting hard. Yeah. Amen? People with hard hearts, they don't want to come to church. They don't want to be around people of God. I mean, it's an amazing phenomenon how this very subtle process begins of your heart being hardened. Now, many of you have been here on Sunday mornings when people come up, sometimes one or two, sometimes three or four. I think we've had as many as 15 to 17 in the altar doing one or two things at the end of a Sunday morning service. Either getting born again for the first time or restoring their fellowship to God. Amen? Y'all all agree with that? Now, we tell them three unique, very simple things to do. Number one, the Word. Everybody say the Word. Now, the Word is God speaking to us. The Word is God speaking to me. The Word is God speaking to you. Number two, we talk about prayer, about talking to God. You need to learn to talk to the Lord. Uh, you know, the spiritual term is prayer, but literally it's just communication with God. It's not supposed to be a monologue where you just talk to God. It, it's supposed to be a dialogue. As you talk to God, you learn to hear from God. Everybody with me? Then we say, number three, you need a family. That family's not a black family, a white family, an Asian family, a Hispanic family, or any other ethnic reality. It is a blood-washed family. That's what the church is. It is a blood-washed family. Amen? And understanding those simple principles, if you cannot obey those three simple things, you'll begin to harden your heart. That's why we try to help people. You say, how do you try to help people? We have prayer meetings. We come up with scriptures that you can read every day. Five days a week, there's a scripture. There's actually a, a chapter that you can read. We'll give you a little, a little bookmark, a little, uh, 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 what do we call those things? Our Bible reading thingamajigs. <laughs> Amen. Our daily Bible reading. You can read a chapter every day. Amen. You can come to our prayer meetings, learn how to pray, learn how to pray. And you can come and attend services. That is one way to keep your heart from getting hard. Amen. Then the second way is this, because here's the thing you're going to find out. If you will work on those three simple things, on keeping your heart pliable before God, what you will find out, God will communicate to you, and He will tell you something to do. He will give you some instruction. He's not going to start out with some grand, big, you know, go over to India and shake the nation. He's not going to do that. He's going to give you something simple. He's going to give you a simple instruction. One day you're going to wake up and you're going to go, you know, God said something to me. You know, you say that to yourself. You know, God told, me, God told me to go next door and clean my neighbor's house and make them a meal. I know the neighbor's been in the hospital for the past two weeks. I'm going to go next door. I'm going to clean their house, make them a meal. You go do that. Next thing you know, you lead your neighbor to the Lord. Next thing you know, you invite them to church. Next thing you know, while they were two weeks in the hospital, they come to church and get healed by the power of the Holy Ghost and the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You say, you think it's that simple? It's that simple. We don't see as much as that as we should because many times our hearts are hardened. And listen, a hard heart, it's not that God does not communicate to the hard heart. It's just like in the natural. It's just like in the physical. When you're hard of hearing, you have a hard time hearing. That's what we call hard of hearing. That's why people have hearing aids. That's why people sometimes have to, you know, you have to talk loud to them so that they can hear what you're saying. Well, God many times will talk loud to you because your heart's getting hard. Amen? And you have a hearing aid. You need to turn it on. 
You say, what is my hearing? It's called being baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying with other tongues. That's your hearing age, but a lot of people just don't turn it on. So they're not able to hear from God. Now go to the book of Acts. Keep your fingers kind of nimble because we're going to fly through the book of Acts. How about that? Now let me, let me just say this to you. God desires to communicate to you. Now, His communication to you is corporate. That means He wants to speak to us. Amen? He wants to speak to us, uh, uh, married couples. He wants to speak to married couples and families, speak to your children. He wants to speak to individuals. He wants to speak to us intimately. He wants to speak to us correctionally. He wants to speak to us when it comes to identity. He wants to speak to us on so many different levels that once you begin to realize how much God wants to communicate to you, it'll blow your mind. He really does. He wants to speak to you and speak to you. Not that you'll become some flake going around, God speak to me, you know, told me to wear one brown sock and one green sock. I was preaching on that one time and about three weeks later I was in a meeting. A guy got up and testified. God told me to get up and wear a brown sock and a blue sock and I stand on the side of the road with a brown sock and a blue sock on and a guy drove by and pulled over. He said God spoke to him and said there'll be a man standing on the side of the road with a brown sock and a blue sock on and he's going to give you a word from God. I thought I ain't never telling that story again. <laughs> But you know what I mean. You don't need God to help you choose your socks. But if He does help you choose your socks, there'll be a purpose for it. How about that? Does that help? My goodness. So, God desires to communicate. Now, the greatest manifestation of communication in the Bible that we see is not the burning bush, is not Balaam's donkey talking to him, it's not what Solomon or David heard. The greatest manifestation of communication is Jesus. Three and a half years of someone on the earth speaking the Father's words and doing the Father's deeds. That's exactly what Hebrews 1 talks about. How God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto us in the past by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. So Jesus is God speaking to us. All through the Gospels we see. What, is G what does God say about healing? Jesus is God speaking to us. What does God say about prosperity? Jesus is God speaking to us. What does God say about forgiveness? Jesus is God speaking to us. What does God say about walking in love? Jesus is God speaking to us. Literally, Jesus is God speaking to us. And what gave Him the ability to be God speaking to us was the Holy Ghost. Oh, you missed a good opportunity to get up and run around the church. You say, why? Because God has taken that same form of communication, which is God Himself in us, and put it in us, and put it upon us. So it ought to be easy to hear from God. You say, why? Because we're spirit-indwelt and spirit-empowered. Everybody say, spirit-indwelt and spirit-empowered. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the last thing Jesus said on the earth, is in Acts chapter 1. The reason I say that is because I believe the Bible is progressive revelation. And as we go from one chapter to one book to the next book to the next book, we find a timeline. Amen? I believe that the oldest book in the Bible, and I believe historically you can prove it by many Bible scholars, is the book of Job. That means that Job goes back into time 
further than anybody else. But the one who brought forth the revelation of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy was Moses writing the law or the Pentateuch. goes all the way back to creation. From that point forward, the Bible has more revelation, more revelation, more revelation. And as revelation progresses, then sometimes revelation revealed in earlier days is done away with by revelation we have today. You say, what do you mean by that? The primary communication of God to men under the old covenant was to the prophet, the priest, priest and the king. But today, God will speak to anybody to listen. I said, he'll speak to anybody to listen. Not only will he speak to the Christian, he'll speak to the sinner. Amen? You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Then how would you get saved? God had to speak to you for you to get saved. Now, in the book of Acts, he told them in Acts chapter four, 1, verse 4, he said, uh, 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 you know, being assembled together with them, I believe he was with them right there, uh, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, you've heard of me. John truly baptized with water, but you should receive the baptism. You should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days since. Now, I, that is Jesus standing there in a glorified body. Now, listen to me. Communicating into their information gates. What are your information gates? They are your senses. And it is imperative that you understand that not only does God communicate from His Word into your information gates, but He also communicates on His level, which is a spiritual level, in which you have been born again in the Spirit so that you might hear from God on a spiritual level. And the only way you can discern spiritual communication is to know the natural communication that comes from the Word of God. You say, what do you mean by natural? I mean it comes by a natural means. You say, what do you mean it comes by a natural? Well, this is a printed page. There's, this is material. There's ink and paper here. And I have to observe with my eyes or hear with my ears what is written in this book. That conditions my spirit to hear on the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is a whole other dimension. I mean, you know, if you, would, if you could get in the ocean and communicate to a fish, it would be a very unique thing. Because not only have you left your dimension, you've gotten into another dimension, and you will have to figure out exactly how they communicate. Well, they don't use words. I don't know how they communicate. Maybe they wink their eyes. I don't know. But you have to understand it'll be a whole new procedure. Everybody say procedure. Now we are so conditioned by the natural procedure that the spiritual procedure is unknown to us. Now let me say that again. We are so conditioned from the natural procedure. How? Mom and daddy talk, talk, uh, taught you how to talk, how to, how to read. You learned, you went to, you got where you're educated. We're so conditioned in this natural realm on how things are communicated to us that, listen, it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes to get into the dimension of the Spirit so that there can be actual spiritual communication. That's why we have the Word, and that's why God put His Spirit in us and upon us so that He could secure those communication lines. Amen. What day was it? It was uh, when we give, uh, we got back. We came back Sunday night. So Monday, Monday, my phone died on Sunday, and so Monday after I went to the gym, I went to the AT and T place over here, and they did a little check on it, and they said, "Well, you know, you've got a the port in which you power the phone is no longer any good, and we can sell you an eight hundred dollar phone, or you can go up here to forty fifth and forty first and Seawall." 
and there's people that work on your phones. So I was without a phone for about a half a day. I never realized how dependent I was on my phone. I mean, I remember years ago, we didn't, nobody had a phone. I mean, if you had a phone in your car, you were a secret agent on TV. <laughs> Who's that had the phone in their shoe? Maxwell Smart. Anybody remember Maxwell Smart? Wave your hand if you remember Maxwell Smart. Well, thank God, we got a good old crowd here tonight, amen? All the youth are already in the back. But he'd pick up his shoe and talk on it. But I didn't realize the communication system was down, which caused me to realize how much I communicated on my phone. So they fixed the little power thing and got it all fixed up. And I got it, they put a little bit of a charge on it. And then I bought a charger for my truck and plugged it in. And then I wasn't down the road a uh, half a mile when all this stuff began to go. I saw I had some phone calls I'd missed. I saw I had some text messages I missed. I saw that I had some emails that I had missed. You say, why? Because the lines of communication had been breached. Now, I don't want to miss any Holy Ghost text. Here's your text right here. The Holy Ghost did a lightning to you. Amen. Say, God sent me a text right here. Glory to God. Or any emails. Amen. Or any phone calls. I want the lines of communication open, and I want the lines of communication to be clear and to be right. Now, Acts chapter 1. Everybody say, Acts chapter 1. Jesus communicates, gives them something to do. There was an element of obedience there. They ended up in the upper room. They went to the upper room. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. After they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they begin to speak in other tongues. We still see no evidence of spiritual communication between God and His servants or His disciples, which are now apostles upon the earth. Amen? We see that in Acts chapter 2. Uh, the Spirit of God fell. Peter preached this tremendous message. 3,000 got saved. Acts chapter 3, a great manifestation of God's healing power. They begin to persecute them. They came together in Acts chapter 4, begin to pray. All of those prayers that they prayed, they talked about, you know, give us, give us boldness that we can speak their word, all those types of things. And it really what is until you get, let me find it here, I marked it, over into Acts chapter 5. Now notice this. It's not until Acts chapter 5 that we actually begin to see what we call spiritual communication. Now listen, Peter communicated the Word. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came to about... Now that doesn't mean nobody was hearing from God. I guarantee you God was probably speaking to the 3,000. God was speaking to the ones that got saved after that that made it, what, 8,000? There were people that God was talking to. But God puts things in the Bible so that we will understand them. And He puts them in certain places so the understanding of that help us to know exactly how to flow and how to operate. Acts chapter 5 we know the first begins with, uh, uh, who was it? Ananias and Sapphira got themselves in trouble. Left the church the hard way. <laughs> Feet first, amen. But now notice here in verse, uh, look at verse 17. Then the high priest rose up and all that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a common prison. But now notice this. But the angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, now we got something very unique. And we have something very New Testament that we may not realize and may not realize wants to happen more and more, but if we're hardened, it can happen. Amen. First, let's look at who's being communicated to. Well, number one, he walks in a ministry office. It's Peter. 
Secondly, he's a guy doing, I'm sure, doing everything he can do under the inspiration of three and a half years of being with Jesus, under the inspiration of watching him die, under the inspiration of, of him rising from the dead and physically seeing him with his eyes, risen from the dead, under the inspiration of that, don't you think old Peter was probably doing everything he could do to serve God? I bet he was. I bet he was living righteous, living holy, praying every day, studying whatever material that he had to study, writing things down that he felt like God was speaking to him. And in his crisis or in his problem, who showed up? An angel showed up to talk to him. Now this is one of the ministries of the angels. Messengers sent from heaven, flames of fire they're called. The Bible talks about how those that are heirs of salvation, how there is an angelic host on the earth that are given to us. Amen. Now let me say this because I've heard some teaching on it before and it does say that they're servants unto us, but in reality they're servants of the Word of God. That's what it says in the book of Psalms. Which means the more Word you got working on the inside of you, the more opportunity you may have to have an angel. I'll tell you, I've been, I've, seen, I've been in the presence of angels several times. One time in ministry, we, we, we witnessed this Sunday night. We had I don't know how many people. What did we have? About nine or ten filled with the Holy Ghost. After that, that healing anointing just flowed in. People with bad backs and bad necks. We just begin to reach up to lay. And man, they begin to twist and contort and all kinds of... See, I've seen some of that here in the church before. Well, years ago, while that was going on, right here in this ear, right here, a voice spoke to me and said, Get out of the way. I'm a healing angel. I'm the one doing this work. And we've seen that for years with people's backs and necks and all kinds of problems in their skeletal structure. And one time, we had a young man that had had, what, several back surgeries, played the drums in a church that we ministered at for many years. And I have never, you could not, you'd have to be some kind of weird contortionist in the circus to do what he did. He bent backwards. And now this is a guy that had had several back surgeries all the way to where his head was hovering about that far off the floor. We weren't even touching him. Well, something was bending him. I said something was bending him. Amen. Well, I was aware it was an angelic presence there doing that. So you must understand, here comes angels to not only bring healing power. Ah, there's, there's one individual, I read his account of going to heaven, and he saw a big warehouse of parts, body parts up there, of hearts and lungs and, and arms and legs and all this type of stuff. And he asked the one that was showing around heaven, he said, what is that? He says, that's all the body parts God wants to give people on the earth. The angels will bring them and help install them. Heard a, uh, uh, a testimony of a full gospel businessman that went to a full gospel businessman, had his heart prayed for, was laying in bed at night and something kind of roused him and woke him up and he looked and there were two angels at the bed, on the bed and both had their hands inside his chest. They said, be still, we're putting a new heart in. He went to the doctor a few days later and he had a brand new heart. Amen? <laughs> well, why shouldn't we expect any more, any less? So here's an angel. Now notice what he does. He communicates. He says, he said. Everybody says, he said. He said, go stand and speak in the temple of the people, all the works of this life. So he came to instruct him. Here's what you need to do. Now listen, all of these different ways we're going to look at, we don't call them the primary ways. The primary way is the Word of God. 
But these secondary ways ought to be developed in the life of every believer. What we call the still small voice. What we call the voice of the Father. What we call the leadership of the Holy Ghost. What we call the dialogue with God Himself. All of these things ought to be relevant in your life where there should be a constant communication between you and God. It will keep you out of trouble. Amen? Now, notice what it says. Let me find. i got all these places marked. Everybody say angelic. I thought I, I think I marked another one here. Let me find it. We know that in Acts chapter 6, they instituted the ministry of deacons. Acts chapter 7, the great deacon Stephen. Yeah, let me, let me say, I was going to, I was going to, I looked at that today. I wondered whether to use it, but I think I'm going to. Last part of Acts chapter 7, the last chapter, the last part of the chapter, it says, talking about a, a, a Stephen being stoned. Uh, verse 34, when they heard these things, uh, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw. Everybody say saw. Now saw is a sense. Amen. Well, what did he see as he looked up into heaven? He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Well, what was Jesus doing standing at the right hand of the Father? He was standing to receive Stephen's spirit up into heaven. I believe God does that for every martyr. I believe every martyr that's ever been martyred in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father and receives His Spirit right up into heaven. Well, that's a way of communication. I've heard many people talk about that have died, had experiences when they've died and come back to heaven. One in particular uh, went to Brother Kenneth E. Hagin's church years ago when he, when, he, when he had a church in East Texas and fell through a bunch of uh, 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 drilling equipment and was basically taken up dead after he hit the bottom, laid in a coma uh, state for many days as Brother Hagen prayed for him. Brother Hagen basically just called him back to life. And actually, as the man gave the testimony in the church, he said, I was in heaven with Jesus. He said, I, he said, I, he said, don't, he said, don't ever, if you're a Christian, don't ever worry about dying. He said, there's no pain. He said, there's no discomfort. He said, I had no knowledge at all of falling through all of that machinery. He said, all I knew is one moment I was standing on the top of that derrick, and he said, the next moment I was standing in front of Jesus. But then he said this. He said, Jesus said, you have to go back. He said, I don't want to go back. He said, you have to go back. And he reached over and reached back a curtain like this, and he said, Brother Hagin keeps praying, keeps calling you back because he needs you, so you're going to have to go back. Well, see, that's communication taking place in the spirit realm. And here in the spirit realm, we see Jesus standing to receive the, uh, the, the spirit of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. Amen? Now, where's my next one? Let me find it here. I've got it marked. No, I'm going to pass that one up and go to Acts chapter 10. Go to Acts chapter 10 real quick. It says there were certain men in Acts chapter 10 verse 1. A certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band, called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, gave much alms to the people, prayed to God always. Now here we go. He saw in a vision. Everybody say a vision. Now what is a vision? Well, a vision can be described in many ways. There can be an open vision. There can be a vision in which your senses are suspended. There can be what I call a mini-vision. Many times I have many visions where I just, I'll close my eyes sometimes, I'm going to see a picture, like a, like a camera flash in my spirit. Uh, there's, there's visions and dreams. This vision given to Cornelius, Cornelius is not even born again yet. He's seeking God though. He's a Jewish proselyte. He's seeking God for more of God. I believe anybody that seeks God for more of God will get visited by God. 
Amen. Now notice what happens. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, the angel of God coming unto him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid. And he said unto him, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now here poses an important question. Why didn't the angel tell him what to do? Why did he say, I'm going to send a man into your life to tell you what to do? Because angelic communication with humanity and Christianity is limited. It is limited. They don't preach the gospel. They can instruct, they can protect, they can bring provision, but we are the ones on the earth commissioned to preach the gospel. Jesus never said to any angels, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But He did say to the angels, go help them. Amen. So there had to be a man involved. There would be somebody who could talk about salvation. There had to be somebody that could tell them about the baptism. There had to be somebody that could communicate the words of God to them so they could receive faith to receive from God that which God wanted in the hand. Amen. Now notice what it says here. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants, a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto him, he sent unto them to Joppa, sent them unto Joppa. Now notice this. On the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter. Now we've got another. We've shifted from Cornelius' house to Peter's house, and this is the house where the angel said to send men to get Peter. Are you with me? Here they go, on the Mars. They went to the journey, they drew nigh unto Peter, and Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So what's Peter doing? He's going up to communicate. Now listen, you really need to fix in your mind that every time you go into prayer, you're going to communicate. Now, come on. You say, everybody, yeah, amen, amen, amen. Now, come on, listen. Are you really conscious of spiritual communication as you pray? Many times what we do is prayer becomes such a routine that we are not conscious of spiritual communication. Amen? Praying in the Spirit. This is why you've got to develop yourself praying in other tongues. Because if all you do is pray in other tongues and allow your mind to be an open book for all kinds of thoughts to run through, then you will not become an effective prayer in the Holy Ghost. You say, what do you mean by that? You have to learn to control your mind when you pray in the Spirit. I do it with worship music. I do it with Scripture. I do all kinds of ways. I do it with, with vision of, of what the church should be doing, of what I should be doing. There's all kinds. I just don't let my mind sit there and spin while I'm praying in the Spirit. If you let your mind sit there and spin while you're praying in the Spirit, you're missing the point of praying in the Spirit, which is a communication on another level. It's on another level. Amen? You know, you can get a cell phone, and today, you know, most of our cell phones uh, uh, work just about anywhere you go uh, in the world. I mean, I was talking to Leah when I was in Tanzania, but there are some places you can go. I remember there was a place, uh, uh, where was that place at? Uh, uh, was it either in the Philippines or in Africa? One of those two places I was in recently. And there was a, a place where our, my cell phone didn't work. You could see there was no bars, there's none of that kind of stuff. Did you know that there is a phone you can, you can buy that will work anywhere 
on the planet, no matter, it doesn't matter if you have a cell phone or not, that's a satellite phone. That's what the military uses. That's a lot of people that, 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 that uh, uh, go places where there's not a lot of cell phones. They carry those satellite phones. They cost more money, but they communicate on another level. They're going up to communicate instead of going out. The Holy Ghost is your satellite phone. It helps you go up, not just out. And when you're praying in the Spirit, listen, if you just start, one of the ways to do it is to learn, take a few minutes, pray and turn on some teaching. Turn on some scripture reading with somebody just reading scripture. Turn on worship music, sing the songs in your head. Amen? I was singing Leah a song this morning that I hadn't heard in 50 years. You know where I got it? I hadn't heard it in 50 years. You know how I got it? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit, and boom, up, with this, up, up comes this song. I heard it 50 years ago. Probably longer than that. 50 years ago, I'd have been 13. Yeah, maybe 12, 13 years. 50-something years ago, I heard this song. These, these Scotchmen came to our church, had killed song. Sing this little song. All over the world, the Spirit is moving. Remember that song, Ella? All over the world, as the prophet said it would be. All over the world, there's a mighty revelation of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How many have ever heard that song? Three people. <laughs> Fifty years ago I heard it. It was not in my memory. It was not in my memory. It's in my spirit. So we're walking the dogs this morning, so I just start singing it to Leah. Amen? Where did I get that? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit. Spirit just dredged it up out of that which is in my spirit. That's why you can't be a lazy tongue prayer. Many times, if you'll take time to pray a few minutes in the Spirit, pray a few minutes in English, pray a few minutes in the Spirit, worship the Lord, break it up a little bit so that your mind doesn't go to Puerto Rico when you're praying. Just trying to help you. Amen? So here goes Peter. He goes up on the housetop to communicate, to pray. Became hungry. Would have eaten. But while he made ready, now notice this, he fell into a trance. Now this is one of the highest forms of communication where someone would fall into a trance and see a vision. This means God is really trying to get something over to you. He's trying to communicate something to you. So he's in this trance and he saw heaven opened. Everybody say heaven opened. And a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and fowls of the air. Now notice this. And there came a voice to him. Now in my King James Bible, there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. In my King James Bible, those are red-letter words. You say, why, why, what do you mean red-letter words? They are words that the translators of this Bible had determined that Jesus was speaking Himself. Jesus personally was speaking those words. Now, I believe we can back that up by Scripture. You say, why? Because what He was communicating to you, as we go through this series, I'm going to teach you what, what does it mean when God speaks to you? What does it mean when the Spirit leads you? What does it mean when Jesus speaks to you? When Jesus speaks, many times, many times, it has to do with the move of God. When Jesus spoke to me to start Island Church, that's who spoke to me. Jesus spoke to me. Jesus spoke to me. You say, what do you mean? It had to do with the move of God. 
much of the communication of the Lord Jesus Christ with His servants on the earth, whether it comes by vision, whether it comes by dreams and trances, or whether it's just the inward voice, but it is the Master speaking unto us, has to do with our service in the kingdom on the earth. You say, why? Because He's the head of the church. And He uses the Holy Ghost to carry those things out. He uses the Holy Ghost as the entity of that communication, but He is the one that's speaking. Remember, he, when He was on the earth, it wasn't Him speaking when He was on the earth. It was His Father speaking, and He was communicating that which His Father speaks. The Holy Ghost says, I only speak that which I what? Hear. So he's hearing both in heaven and on earth. So what he hears the Father say, or what he hears the Spirit say, he's, I mean what he hears Jesus say, he's going to communicate to us. Amen? So there's a lot of weight to what's happening. He's in a trance. His senses are suspended. It's like he's in a coma. If you could see him up there on that rooftop, he'd just it'd be like, Peter, you awake? What's up? You okay? Somebody check his pulse. Check his blood pressure. Call the EMTs. No, he's in a trance. He's just laying there. You're not going to wake him up. God's speaking to him. Now notice what he speaks. He said, there came a voice, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But now notice this. Peter said, not so, Lord. Now he's speaking. Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, call thou not common. This was done three times, and the vessel was received up into heaven. Now, this word is so important to us as, quote, Gentiles. Because this is the head of the church speaking to his premier apostle of that day, trying to get him to understand, just like you guys got the Holy Ghost in the upper room, it is my plan for these guys to get it here in Caesarea because they're Gentiles and this is not going to be a sect of Judaism. This is for the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This is for the world. This has to do with what? Everything that has gone on in the world since then. World evangelism, world missionary work, churches being birthed everywhere. All that God's ever done since then. If He would not have obeyed that, we would not see what we're seeing today. Well, I know God would have done something else to get it to us, but you know what I'm saying. You know the principle of it. Amen? Now notice this. Three times. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. What I've cleansed, don't call that common. Boy, that's a message right there. I heard T.L. Osborne preach that one time at Lakewood. Man, he got up and started talking about how there is no drug addict that's common to God. There's no prostitute that's common to God. There's no person down and out that's common to God. There's no proud banker that's common to God. There's no religious person that's common to God. Everyone is special to God because they've already been cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and must hear the message. You evangelists can preach that one. Amen? But three times what God has done. What God has cleansed. Call, don't call it common. Three times. Now why Peter? Verse 7. Peter doubted in himself. Now in this extreme level of communication, what tries to get in the middle of it? Doubt. Now, I don't have time to do all this. I'll do a little bit of it. Peter, we know he thought on the vision. We know all the different things that happened. He spoke the word. The Holy Ghost fell. Verse 46, For they that heard him, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should be, not be baptized? Now listen. Peter's ministry could be grafted 
as rising to a crescendo in chapter 10 and kind of finishing out in chapter 12. And then basically the only time we see him, he's in interaction with the Apostle Paul over the encroachment of the law into Christianity. Amen? In chapter 11, he's very apologetic about what went on in Acts chapter 10. If you read the tone of what he's talking about, he's like, hey, man, I, they said, you know, he goes to Jerusalem and tells them what happened. And they're like, you mean you touched Gentiles? You touched that which I'm clean? He's like, hey, man, uh, the Spirit made me do it. I didn't have any choice. I mean, I didn't touch them. I didn't lay hands on nobody. While I preached the word, the Spirit of God fell on them like it did at us in the upper room. I didn't lay hands on nobody. I mean, that's literally what he was saying. Now, listen to me. Through the communication of one of the highest forms, what was revealed in Peter was a religious prejudice. Now, this is how much God hates prejudice. It was revealed. Peter, you got an issue. You remember what he said? I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Come on, Peter. You're a commercial fisherman living in a tanner's house? Let me give you a little insight into a tanner's house. They live by the sea. They took an old dead carcass of a cow and they floated it in the water, which separated the skin from the meat. Could you imagine the flies, the maggots, and everything else? Then they would drag them in and scrape that skin off and create the leather that they needed for shoes and clothes and everything else. It was an unclean house by anyone's standard. And for him to get up and say, I've never eaten anything common or unclean, I'd have said, come on, Peter, you used to be a commercial fisherman. Anytime, oh Lord have mercy, we become self-righteous and hold our righteousness up before God being in our, quote, works, we reveal our prejudice. And see, we're so, let me say this, we're so geared to the word prejudiced in America that every time we hear it, we think skin color. Amen. And you know, now today we got, well, are you a person of color? Yes. I mean, can you see through me? I may be a little more vanilla than the rest, but I got some kind of color on me. See how people, people mess with your words? But the strongest prejudice in the world do not involve one-eighth inch of your skin. They involve spiritual things. I mean, you go with me over to Ireland and look how the, 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 you know, the Protestants and the, and the Catholics, they all look the same. Every one of them look the same. But they're still killing each other over there. They had an incident over there right before we went over there in which somebody was killed. You go into some of these, some of these places where they, they have strong uh, Muslim, Christian, Jewish. I'm telling you, people hate each other. They kill each other in a moment. And it's all based on we know more about God than you know. God knew that religious prejudice would be one of the worst things that could get into the earth in order to spoil that which he wants to do. Amen. That's why we can't afford any kind of prejudice in us which means we have to be willing 
to minister to any denominational person, to, to somebody in a cult, uh, any, anybody that we find any hunger uh, for the Word of God in whatsoever. Well, I'm, I'm not going over to minister to those people, Lord. It may be that God told you to go over there to minister to them just to make sure the, that you didn't have any prejudice in you toward whoever those people are. Amen? I mean, I, for years and years and years, God sent me all over the world to, to all types of people to stand in front. There was a prophecy that I got when I was 17 years old. said I would see strange faces and hear strange languages. But I never, ever looked at anybody and thought, well, I don't like them. Their heads look funny. There was a Star Trek. Anybody ever watched the old Star Trek? There was an old Star Trek episode years ago. And these two guys were fighting and fighting. And they had some kind of strange, you know, uh, uh, some of the laws of physics didn't, didn't work on them. So they fought. And come to find out, they had been fighting for thousands of years. And they were the last two people from a planet. The last two people from a planet. The planet had been, been destroyed thousands of years ago. And they were the last two people. And, and all these guys on the, on the Enterprise, the, the, the captain and, and Mr. Spock and all those guys, they couldn't figure out why these guys were fighting. Every time, I mean, they, they, they fought all over the ship, almost destroyed the ship. They fell down onto a planet and fought all over that planet. They couldn't find out. And they were standing there. And the guy, uh, I tell you who it was, remember the Riddler in Batman? Frank Gorshin. He was one of them. Captain Kirk said, why have you guys been fighting all of these years, eons of time? You've destroyed worlds. You've destroyed yourself. You're the only two left of your entire planet. Why have you done this? And he goes, can't you tell? Well, one of them was black on this side and white on this side. The other was black on this side and white on this side. Anybody remember that story? How many saw that on TV? One of the most... I thought, oh my God. But that's how ridiculous. It's amazing that it took someone from Hollywood to show us how ridiculous prejudice looks. Willing to fight to the end of your existence over nothing. And see here, Peter, he is doubting in him what God is saying to him and in his heart, he is thinking of, now listen to me, he is thinking of the Gentile world as unclean. Where he knows he watched Jesus die, he watched Jesus bleed, he watched him go into the tomb, he watched him come out of the tomb, he knew he ascended to the heaven, he knew he poured his blood on the mercy seat, he knew what that meant, he came from the heritage of thousands and thousands and millions of lambs being slain for the sin and the atonement of his nation. And he heard Jesus say, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. And when God said to him, don't call what I have cleansed common or unclean, he couldn't get the doubt out of his heart. And we see him go on up to a certain place, and then all of a sudden the greatest enemy of the church, and we'll talk about the communication of Paul with, with God, with Jesus and the Holy Ghost next week, the greatest enemy of the church got communicated to by a bright light from heaven shining brighter than the noonday sun. And it destroyed his prejudice. He was one of the most prejudiced men on the planet. 
one of the most intelligent men on the planet. He was probably the most least likely candidate to ever be used by God the way he was. Yet God was able to cleanse him, purify him, show him redemption. And his view of redemption so radically changed him that we have the documents of his communication with God as standard for Scripture in our Bible today. He got that junk out of him. Well, thank God through his communication. Now, let me just say this, and I'll close. Oh, man, I've gone too way too long. When God begins communicating with you, his purpose is purity. He's trying to clean you up. He's trying to clean you up. You, and about the time you think you got yourself really cleaned up, he'll open another little dark corner in your life. And you go, oh, my God, that was in there? Amen. And then you get that all cleaned up and cleaned up, and then he'll open another little dark corner in your life. Another little thing you were hiding and saving. Another little thing over here. And next thing you know, you figure out, you know, it's really good for you to talk to me, Lord, because every time you do, I get a little cleaner. What did Jesus say? Now you are clean by the words I have spoken. It is the water of the Word of God that cleans us out and helps us to be the temple of the Holy Ghost we're supposed to be so that His glory, His power, His mercy, and His grace can manifest itself to us and through us to a hurting world. Amen? You love the Lord? Give Him a shout tonight. Oh, you got a better shout in you than that. Glory to God. Stand on your feet if you will. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that tonight, by Your Word, You have communicated to us in form of Scripture, in the form of a ministry gift, in the form of that which you've desired for us to hear and know. Thank you tonight. We're not hardening our hearts, but we're allowing ourselves to hear that which the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Thank you the prejudice of the world and the world system is being removed out of our hearts and out of our lives so that nobody that you send us to, nobody will be excluded from your glory, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you tonight. As we depart, your grace and mercy is upon us when it comes to protection. Thank you, Lord God. Whether we travel on the highways, the seaways, the airways, or the railways, we are protected. Thank you, Heavenly Father. As we handle the righteous labor that you've given us, whether it be out in the ocean, in medicine, the oil industry, whether it be in retail or as students, no matter what it may be, no matter where we may go, we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thanking you, Lord, that your provision of blessing and protection are upon us. Thank you as we leave today. There's a great door of utterance. Open unto us. That, Lord, we thank you time nor distance. It does not prejudice us. We thank you that skin color does not prejudice. We thank you that rich or poor, educated or uneducated, addicted or unaddicted, no matter what the situation or be, we have no Nothing in us that inhibits us from being an answer to their prayer, a problem to the adversary, and a miracle in their lives. Thank you as we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you, in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.